Hello and welcome to the F1 Strategy Report. My name's Michael Laminato, and today we're recapping the 2018 Japanese Grand Prix. For Heeltread Motorsport socks, go to heeltread.com. Lewis Hamilton was rapidly escaping Sebastian Vettel in the title stakes, and the Japanese Grand Prix marked perhaps a new nadir for Ferrari in its fight to keep the championship alive. The upgrade package it brought to Singapore two races earlier still wasn't working on what had previously been the field's fastest car, and as a result, the Scuderia was far off Mercedes' pace all weekend. Qualifying was a disaster, with the team sending both Vettel and teammate Kimi Raikkonen out on wet tyres in the drive, and in the race, both had crashes with Max Verstappen to finish as the slowest drivers of the front-running six. Let's revisit some of Ferrari's mistakes at the 2018 Japanese Grand Prix with Phil Horton from Motorsport Monday and Motorsport Week. If you look at the weekend, Mercedes had a plan, they executed it. Lewis Hamilton topped every single practice session, topped Q1, only fell behind Valtteri Bottas briefly in Q2 when they ran the soft tyres and then obviously topped qualifying. In practice, the Mercedes was clearly the quicker car and Ferrari were just chasing their tails throughout. They didn't have the pace, either short run or long run, and then that obviously went through into qualifying. One more important thing to note throughout practice is that this really was a weekend of two distinctly different weather conditions. During practice, and even especially during qualifying when rain did eventually arrive, we were looking at fairly grey skies, overcast conditions. Quite cool, actually. Completely different on Sunday. It was around about 30 degrees during the day. Track temps were much higher, and that had a significant effect. Yeah, it was very hot on Sunday even from from early morning um, which clearly meant that teams were not necessarily wary of the degradation but more of blistering because several times this season we've seen drivers come out of the pits push too hard to start with blister the rear tyres and then they're screwed Mercedes and especially Lewis Hamilton they didn't get that because they were so far in front that they could just simply control the pace Mm -hmm. and you know they had no need to push so hard. In qualifying in Q2, Mercedes had no trouble using the soft tyre rather than the super soft, meaning that they would start on the more flexible, strategically speaking, tyre. Are you surprised that other teams didn't attempt that? I was surprised that Ferrari didn't do it, mm-hmm. because I think given the pace, even though Mercedes probably had a pace advantage of a few tenths, if not half a second, Ferrari still should have had a pace advantage such that they could easily have got to Q3 on the soft tyre. I mean, Roman Grosjean managed it in the Haas. Mm-hmm. So if Grosjean could manage it, you'd <laughs> like to think both uh, Vettel and Raikkonen could also have managed it. I think Red Bull probably looked at it from the perspective of, we want to go out and attack, and the best way of attacking is to have the super softs, and then take on the softs, mm-hmm. rather than go soft-medium. That would prove to be the least of Ferrari's tyre problems in qualifying. Seeing the rain had arrived at the end of Q2, and the break between Q2 and Q3 had to decide whether or not the very beginning of Q1 would be slick or intermediate tyre conditions. They decided intermediate, but unfortunately for them, were the only team to have done so. Mercedes was able to set provisional pole, which then ended up becoming pole with that super soft, slick tyre. Obviously, in retrospect, it was the wrong choice, but is it understandable that they would have chosen the intermediate? When you have those mixed weather conditions, there's always someone that's going to look like a hero and someone that's going to look a bit foolish. The rain fell at the end of Q2 enough to ensure that the guys trying to improve at the end of Q2 couldn't. Mm -hmm. It was that wet. But it had stopped in that little window between Q2 and Q3 and it was so hot and muggy and windy on Saturday that the circuit was drying ever so quickly and it, mm-hmm. it's also quite an undulating circuit so the water does the water that is there does drain off quite quickly when considering that Q3 took place at the start of Q3 it was dry in that situation you'd surely think the best thing to do is to head out as soon as possible on the super softs so you can get that lap in because if you do and then it rains there's no point because mm-hmm. the best of the track conditions have gone 
if you were to go out on super softs and then it started raining and you didn't get that first lap in but no one got that first lap in it wouldn't have mattered the issue for Ferrari is that they went out on intermediates when they didn't need to because mm-hmm. it wasn't wet enough. The others went out on super softs because it was dry enough. Mm-hmm. That was the first mistake. The second mistake, of course, was all Vettel's because he needed that first lap because they could see it on the radar, the rain was coming. Mm-hmm. He didn't get that first lap in, went wide at Spoon, was left in ninth, and by the time he went out to improve... A few minutes later, the rain had come down. I can understand what he means where if the rain had arrived, Ferrari would look like heroes. Mm-hmm. But then in that case, everyone would have taken on intermediate tyres anyway. Looking forward to the race now. Sebastian Vettel starting from 8th place. Had a very aggressive and very successful first lap, it must be said. Uh, got himself up to right behind the battling Max Verstappen and Kimi Raikkonen. It didn't go exactly as planned for him, though. Uh, for one, Verstappen knocked Raikkonen off the track. He got past Raikkonen in that sense, in that way. Yeah. But after the safety car, he then obviously set his sights on Max Verstappen. Verstappen uh, ended in a crash. Might not be surprised to learn when Vettel and Verstappen meet it ended yeah. in a crash. Uh, at Spoon Curve, and this has divided a lot of people in terms of who thinks that it was necessary for him to make the move or not. Spoon's not traditionally a place where you pass cars, it should be said, especially cars that are relatively yeah. equal in performance, relatively. What was your take on that accident? I mean, I think there's two trains of thought here. There's He'd had a brilliant start, and then after the safety car, he was right behind Max. And could see that Max's engine was derating or the battery wasn't full. Mm-hmm. So obviously, when you're when you're in a racing situation, he is thinking, "This is my chance." Mm-hmm. And in that situation, when you see the closing speed, you can kind of understand why he went for it. The flip side is that you're coming up against Max Verstappen, who we know you don't want to say has bent the rules when it comes <laughs> to defending, but is one of the sport's best defenders yeah. and will take it right up to the legal line. Mm-hmm. You've also got the situation that you're on lap eight of the race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you want to get past Verstappen quickly, but you already know he's got a five-second penalty. So, in effect, Vettel was already ahead of Max at that mm-hmm. point. Vettel's argument was that because he was already so close, he would have lost mm-hmm. a lot of grip through being stuck in the dirty air and probably wouldn't have overtaken at the next corner. It, it's kind of... It was an unnecessary gamble. It backfired. And speaking of Raikkonen and Ferrari, he was the best-placed non-Mercedes car for a time, or was in the best position to be the best-placed non-Mercedes car for a time, when he was challenging Max Verstappen for third. At the start of the race, we mentioned he was bumped off at the chicane. Yeah. Was still in contention after that, especially once Sebastian Vettel had spun his way all, back, all the way back down to the bottom. He was essentially yeah. back to where he started. Uh, and it was up to Ferrari to decide who should pull the trigger first in this then strategic battle at the first pit stop window. Yeah. He was carrying a bit of damage, wasn't as going perhaps as fast as he could have, and the idea, I suppose, was to bring him in early and take the advantage of a fresh set of tyres and hope yeah. to undercut Max Verstappen. But not unlike the, what we saw in Singapore, I suppose, with, Max, uh, with Sebastian Vettel, they pitted him straight into lapped traffic that held him up for about five laps. That's the kind of stuff that a computer does show quite clearly, isn't it? Yeah, it's the kind of strategy where Ferrari seems to have done this several times. <laughs> whereby you can understand the reasoning but the execution is sloppy mm-hmm. in that you think right we think the undercut's going to work let's go for it but Kimi was already losing time to Max then he came out in traffic and it, you only need one or two cars or mm. a, a couple of laps because the difference between the leading cars and the midfield is so big that someone like Raikkonen can easily lose a second or two in a lap if they get stuck behind a force India mm-hmm. and that's effectively what happened you know Kimi got past the cars but the time he spent you know through the S's through that back end of the, the mm-hmm. circuit was such that he not only lost the delta time to Max even, mm-hmm. even with Max's five second penalty but he then lost it to, to Daniel Ricciardo as well so by the time Daniel Ricciardo came into the pit stop he emerged quite comfortably ahead of Raikkonen and with the damage with the relative pace of the two cars it meant that fifth place was his could have been third might have been fourth ended up being fifth and 
it just it kind of rather sums up the strategies Raikkonen seems to have received over the last few years with Ferrari a one that's not really well thought through you can kind of understand why they did it but ends up being quite illogical and doesn't work Mercedes weekend was so dominant the team barely rated a mention in strategy terms Lewis Hamilton led Valtteri Bottas home in first and second followed by both Red Bull racing cars and then Kimi Raikkonen and Sebastian Vettel in fifth and sixth for Ferrari the championship deficit grew to 67 points putting Hamilton within reach of the crown So what about the strategy forecast for the 2019 Japanese Grand Prix? The Suzuka circuit is one of the most technically demanding on the calendar. Comprising corners of all speeds and two decent straights, it's a comprehensive test of a Formula 1 car. So while Ferrari appears to have cued the worst of its balance problems in recent races, in pure downforce terms it remains unproven, making this weekend a real test for the Italian team. Mercedes, on the other hand, has the package to win on a circuit like this so long as it pulls together a clean weekend. And it's been imperfect since the mid-season break despite its 1-2 finish in Russia. Red Bull Racing will also be fascinating to watch, with the team historically strong here thanks to its high downforce car, while its new Honda power unit in the back will brighten its prospects. But qualifying is also extremely important at Suzuka given the difficulty of overtaking, and this could swing the picture back in favour of Ferrari and its supreme engine power over a single lap. It might be the Italian team's only ticket to the podium. But the strategy forecast may be secondary to the weather forecast, with the seven-day outlook at the time of recording predicting rain on all three days. The last proper wet race was in Germany, and we all remember the chaos that went down there. I'm looking forward to the Japanese Grand Prix, and I'll be back next week to analyse all the goings-on from Suzuka. Until then, you can subscribe to The Strategy Report wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter for our regular pre-race strategy guides. And remember too that we're still running our listener survey. We'd love to hear your feedback on the show, so head to strategyreport.com and follow the links to answer just a couple of short questions. And if you leave us your email address, you can go into the draw to be one of four winners of a pair of classic motorsport-inspired socks from our friends at Heeltread. My name's Michael Aminato, and I'll catch you next week for a wrap-up of the Japanese Grand Prix.